الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب زدنا علم نافع ورزق واسع وعمل متقبل اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ابن عطاء الله says لا يخاف عليك أن تلتبس الترك عليك لا يخاف عليك أن تلتبس الترك عليك وإنما يخاف عليك من غلبة الهوى عليك لا يخاف عليك أن تلتبس الترك عليك وإنما يخاف عليك من غلبة الهوى عليك It is not feared that the ways leading to Allah be confusing to you but rather it is feared that passion overcome you لا it is not feared that the ways leading to Allah be confusing for you, but rather it is feared that passion overcome you. So what the Shaykh is saying here is that the path leading to Allah is very clear. The Prophet ﷺ left us very clearly on that path. So the problem is actually not the path or knowing the path. The problem is actually what happens to cause us blindness in this path and thus to stray and if we think about it this is exactly the problem we have we all know what's right or wrong but we somehow become blinded to a certain degree sometimes and that's why we need constant reminders we need to be reminded that's why when we when we're reminded of what we're really supposed to do we know we've heard it before but it almost seems like we're hearing it afresh because it gives us a renewed interest in doing it but that's just ourself refining the path then we get confused again then it becomes obscure again and the thing which obscures all of this is the shahwa and the desire <coughs> this is what keeps coming in between so that's what he says here he says there's absolutely no doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has very clearly highlighted the path of usul of reaching him on the tongue of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he's told us the main points of the sharia the main signposts the main milestones and we know the way to get there and he's also given us the lights of reality so the sacred law has been established clearly and the qawaid and the rules that are required to strengthen the iman and to build it up they keep clear the stations of ihsan the station the stations of that a person progresses to to get closer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even those uh have been made clear so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not leave anything that would take us close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that he indicated towards it, he explained it, he mentioned it. So then there is nothing. He also mentioned everything that would deter us from the path, that would take us away from the path. He mentioned those things as well. He warned us of those things. In fact, he spared no effort in directing the servants, his slaves, and mentioning the right path, clarifying the right path, clearing up the right path. 
And the Prophet ﷺ did not leave this world. The Prophet ﷺ did not leave this world without making it very clear what the real deen was and what the correct path in that deen was supposed to be. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum al-Islam deena. Today I've completed your faith. I have also completed my favors upon you. I've also completed my favors upon you. Atmamtu alaykum ni'mati. My favors I wanted to give upon you. I've given them to you. So they are available now. And I've, I'm satisfied with Islam as the deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, لا إكراه في الدين قد تبين الرشد من الغي There should be no compulsion in religion, meaning nobody should be forced to believe. Because the path of good and the path of falsehood is very clear. So anybody who has talab, anybody who, ha- who seeks to find the right path will find it. So so many people who've had absolutely no idea about the faith, once they had this desire in their heart to find the right path, they started talking to the Supreme Being with regards to that, they found their way. It's very clear. It's very clear. That's why the Prophet ﷺ also said, لَقَدْ تَرَقْتُكُمْ عَلَى الْحَنَفِيَّةِ عَلَى الْحَنَفِيَّةِ السَّمْحَ Samha means something very clear, blatant, non-obscure. And Hanafiya means pure Tawheed, pure monotheism. To cut away from everything else that would be distracting and to uh, focus on one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's Hanafiya. Ibrahim alayhi salam's characteristic. He always talked about being Hanif and Muslima. Hanif and Muslima. So this is Prophet said, I have left you on Hanafiya Samha, like pure monotheism. In fact, in another version of that hadith says, Alal Millatil Bayda. Bayda means white, pure, clear. Milla. Milla refers to deen. The pure deen, the clear deen. Naharuha kalayliha. It's not a deen which becomes obscure sometimes and then sometimes is bright and you can see it. Its days are the same as its nights. It's clear. There's no difference that comes upon it. The difference comes upon us. Ahmad ibn Hadraway al-Balkhi radiyallahu anhu says at-tariq wadihun the path is clear. The path is clear. Wad-dalil la'ihun and the evidence is also sparkling. It's shining. It's there for people to see if they want to see it. Wad-da'i qad asma' and the inviter has propagated his message, has caused to listen. Literally, asma'a means to cause somebody to hear. So he, he is there, he is to be heard. <coughs> if there is any astonishment, if there is any confusion, tahayyur, hayran, person is confused, doesn't know which way to go, is lost. So if there is any tahayyur like that afterwards, then it can only be from the blind. Because everything is clear. Now we're going to say we're not blind. The blindness is what he will speak about right now. وَسَمِعَتْ رَابِعَةُ رَابِعَةُ الْعَدَوِيَّةُ صَالِحَ الْمِرِّ يَقُولُ Rabi'ah uh, al-Adawiyah, as you know, the very pious uh, 
saint of the past, she, she heard once Salih al-Murri saying, Man admana qara' al-bab. Man admana qara' al-babi yushiku an yuftah lahu. Whoever persists in knocking at the door, then it will be open for him. Which is truth. I mean, we're generally truthful. Generally truthful. That if you want something and you keep knocking, you keep asking, you keep doing what you have to do and you persist, then one day the door will be open for you. It shows persistence. That's one way to do it. One way to do it. But it looks like she was on a higher level. So she said that I said to him, Al-Babu Maftuhun. The door is open already. But you're running away from the door. It's all about what I mentioned last week. Perspective. <clears throat> perspective and action. The door is open. It's there for anybody to enter. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the door of Jannah. Doors of Jannah. Eight doors instead of seven. And it mentions about the first 70,000 that will enter without any hisabu kitab, that they will all enter together. There won't be any hierarchy among them. It says that the first one will not enter until the last one will enter. That's what the hadith, of, uh, the hadith in Bukhari mentions. And what that means is the door is so wide, so big that all of them will enter together. So that's the size of one door. And there's eight of these doors. When everything else in the world, there's sevens. Everything is seven. But when it comes to doors of Jannah, Allah adds an extra one just to make it seem more accessible. So, Al-Babu Maftuhun wa anta tafirru minhu, but you run away from it. Kayfa tasil ila maqsadin akhta'ta tariqa ilayhi fi awwari qadamin. How can you, how can you <coughs> get to a path? How can you get to your objective? How can you reach your goal when <coughs> you have lost the way you have lost the way from your first step you took. Going in the wrong direction. So that was Rabi al-Adawi. Look at her status. And she recognizes the issue. She looks at it differently. That's a more optimistic way of looking at it. In the sense that it's open. It's my problem. I need to just correct myself and I can get in. The other one is the door is closed. I'm going to have to keep banging on it. It shouldn't be feared from you. It shouldn't be feared upon you. Oh, Murid. Oh, person who is a seeker that the path which is going to take you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been made a confusing path for you because it is clear we all know we have to do extra dhikr we all know we have to be that much more particular and have wara which means we have to be that much scrupulous in what we look at what we don't look at what we do what we don't do what time we wake up what time what kind of prayer we make what kind of focus we need to have all of that is very, very clear. All of that is very, very clear. That is not confusing on us. We know. We know. That's not who's it, who, who is that confusing for? Everybody knows. Because it is very clear. What is the problem though? Is when the hawa, which is the lowly desire, when that will overcome you. And then, فَيُسِمَّكْ وَيُعْمِيكْ It will make you deaf and it will make you blind. Sometimes that blindness is to such a degree that even makes us miss our prayers. Most of the time we pray, but we don't do much more. So we restrict ourselves to the obligations and we don't do much more. So it's, it's that kind of a thing. It makes us feel that other things are more important to do, that we have to do them. It makes us feel that we don't have enough time. So 
we the, the first thing that will go is this this is the worst part of it this is the biggest challenge of it those who even want to try it just makes us feel we don't have enough time we're going through a busy period because it's i've got a special project on or i've got intense workload at work or um exams or um something a wedding came up or something of that nature so the first thing that has to go is our dhikr that's the first thing that has to go for some reason so almost as if you know we are independent agents in this world so that we make a d- decision of leaving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our power with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out and we'll get everything else done and we really think that that's the way to go about it and we become blinded from the fact that it's Allah who gives us barakah in our time energy to do what we do the tawfiq etc but we're forgetting that if we leave him aside then all of this is just material this we're not going to get any kind of achievement anyway <coughs> and then it's difficult to get back on track afterwards so that that's that's the problem in fact uh, <coughs> it's anybody who's trying to work for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially if they're in a a vocation of uh, calling others to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, teaching um, preaching um, administrating whatever it may be that's a it seems to be a very physical mental position but the effect in there comes from the power that we should have through the dhikr and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala otherwise I could be sitting here <clears throat> and speaking to you all and although I'm doing the work I'm saying the words uh, we're, we're making the form of this uh, da'wah but there's no power behind it there's no energy behind it because that comes from abundant amount of connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's a personal private thing then when we do our work it has more energy it has more barakah it has more nur it has more light <clears throat> so that's that's the way this is supposed to work in anything that we do we do our dhikr etc our eating our study our work our tarbiyah of our awlad everything will become better because we've got the power behind it otherwise it's an empty it's all empty there's no power behind it there's no significance behind it <clears throat> so what causes this blindness these blind spots to occur constantly is our desire and it's a vicious circle because if you do dhikr enough dhikr then it keeps the heart pumping spiritually so the desire keeps getting pushed down at the moment we leave the dhikr for an object for another objective for a while because it's the first thing we sacrifice then the desire comes up and it just makes it, it dominates the heart then it dominates the ruh and then it becomes difficult so this is what we're constantly going through that's why if you can't do dhikr for one hour which is your normal then do it for 10 minutes at least if your normal is 10 15 minutes then do it for 5 minutes at least but at least do some dhikr don't ever leave it somebody asked me yesterday that if i take the tariq and then if i miss the dhikr will i be sinful so i said no there's no sin in this this is all some other sheikh told me that 
if you miss the dhikr once you become bayah then it's sinful i said maybe what they're saying is it's sinful you know in the path in the sense there's no sin it's a it's not an obligation but it will be highly detrimental but it's not going to be any more detrimental than it is right now when we don't have the dhikr anyway so sometimes i guess uh, uh, mashaykh will say these exaggerated terms just to keep people on because it is a like a form of sin in a sense to yourself personal not by sharia but just by pers- personal measure personal discipline to do that so i think for us the only way to keep uh, regular on our dhikr is probably to think it's a sin because we don't miss our prayers you know we're not so in you know we're not at the level where the first thing to go is our prayers we do pray even if you pray late delayed last minute sometimes qada maybe we do make sure we pray that because we have this sense of obligation so if we start feeling that the dhikr is also as obligatory for me you know for us then it won't go as fast we'll do it if we don't do it in the morning we'll do it in the evening but it has to be done that gives us the power to sustain ourselves it's like the food we need if we don't have food i mean we don't cut off food first thing is that if you don't eat food you you do feel the pangs of hunger thirst you may feel emaciated same thing when you don't do dhikr you do feel the ugliness of the nafs rearing its head but because that's a nice feeling unfortunately that's why it doesn't make us do dhikr it makes us feel regret it makes us feel bad i know why i'm doing this but it's a really weird situation whereas with food nothing else is going to you know you don't enjoy pangs of hunger you want to quickly go and get a bite to eat so that's the difference between the two in al hawa ma tawalla yusim aw yasimi this is uh, busiri muhammad ibn sa'id al busiri the author of the burda he says in al hawa which means this lowly desire ma tawalla when it becomes the governor when it starts to govern yusim aw yasimi it will create this blindness this uh, this deafness so fala yakhafu alayka iltibas al hawa fala yakhafu alayka iltibas al hawa let this not be confusing upon you let this not be a fear upon you sorry it's huda the path of guidance has never been made confusing and obscure that should never that will never be feared upon you that will always be there what is feared upon you is that you will follow the desires and thus forget about the guidance so the haq will never be confusing what will be is the ignorance is what will cause the problem <clears throat> and this the effect of this generally comes about because of the majority of people we see outside this is not to look down upon people this is just to so show influence wa in tuti akthara man fil ardi yudilluka an sabilillah if you follow the majority of the people outside they will take you away from the path they will mislead you they will misguide you so the point that is trying to make here is that we're in this situation with a lot of influence of the majority of people we're going to come across in our lives <clears throat> if we don't have the energy to resist that then we will start following the trends we will start following what people 
talk about, what they discuss, we will also get involved in the same kind of thing. And this is the reality, isn't it? Why is it that we turn it? If everybody was pious around us, they were all speaking about how much tahajjud they did at night and they were encouraging one another of these things. Why would we get messed up then? Why would anybody deviate in that? It'd have to be really wanting to deviate to deviate. Because the society is, and humans as social creatures, <clears throat> we learn from others, we be influenced by others. You go to work, you go this, but then that's the reality of our life. Allah says so. You can't really change that reality too much. You know, you can't... Because even in Muslim countries, people are not talking about the right things. Those kind of situations where people started speaking about piety and so on have been very few in our history. Those kind of times. It happened during Umar ibn Abdul Aziz's time. He mentions that people were starting to speak about how many nawafil prayer they pray, they, they had made. This was became the discussion. But he only lasted for about two years, uh, uh, you know, some years. He, only, he was only Khalifa two, and two years and four or five months anyway. So this became after he became the Khalif. But then he was, he was most likely murdered. And then uh, uh, his cousins, they became the Khalif again and he went back to normal. So it's only happened a few times. So let's not wait for that utopia. People, Muslims have in their mind this utopian ideology of the Islamic Caliphate in a way that they would like it. Believe me, if the Islamic Caliphate, what we're seeing, and what we've seen in the past, I'm not denigrating the Caliphate. I'm not denigrating Muslim rule. There's benefits to that. But don't think that all Muslim rule will be such Muslim rule that will allow you to be pious without any effort on your own. So Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, look what he did. He took over, mashallah, and he managed to get Jerusalem and he consolidated the, the scattered Muslim uh, uh, lands. He, he gathered all of them together under one rule that Ayyubids, he left it to his inheritors. He passed away at a younger age. He wasn't so old when he passed away. Left to his sons, grandchildren, his relatives. And the factions began afterwards again within the Ayyubids. Uh, uh, nephew against uh, uncle and so on and so forth uh, ass uh, taking assistance from the nasara the christians uh, against uh, his, his you know his relative things like this it all started again so don't think that khilafa is the answer to everything if it was then we would have an excuse if it was then it would have been made such yes if you do have a khalif if you do have a leader a muslim leader then you must obey him as the Prophet ﷺ said. But when you don't, you still have an obligation to Allah. Allah is always there. So this idea that a lot of people have, that they feel a shortcoming. Now, feeling a shortcoming is fine, that we don't have an Islamic rule or we're not under Islamic rule. But if that becomes effective, that we can't do certain aspects of the deen because of that, we can't fulfill our personal obligation, we can't get correct to Allah, that is a deception of the shaitan. And that should not be a deception at all, because a person can worship wherever they are. That's how the deen of Allah is, that it's, it, 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 you can worship. Then he says another thing, he says, فَلَا يُخَافُ عَلَيْكَ عَدَمُ وُجُودِ أَهْلِ التَّحْقِيقِ It should also not be feared for you that people of tahqiq, people who've reached the state, who are um, critical in this regard, meaning who are, uh, who are accomplished in this regard, won't be found. 
you will find such people. But what is feared upon you is Qutta'u Tariq, is highwaymen, people that will rob you of what you have on the way. This is exactly what's happening. We know the path, we know where it is, we know what to do. We have people like that. We have many pious people in, in, in our communities, but it's what takes us away and leaves us. So we're still going on the path we want to, but we've just lost all that iman that we did because we sidetracked. <clears throat> in fact, uh, these highway robbers are enjoyable to our nafs. That's the difference here. We don't realize what we lose because in our loss we feel pleasure. That's how misguiding the nafs is. It makes us feel pleasure in our loss. So what is feared upon you? Other highwaymen. What is not feared upon you is that the people of the truth will be hidden. Everybody knows where they are. What is feared upon you is the absence of truthfulness. We're not true to our words. فَلَوْ صَدَقُوا اللَّهَ لَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ If they were truthful to Allah, if they worshipped Allah truthfully, with sincerity it means, with proper truth, that would be superior for them, that would be beneficial, highly beneficial for them. It will be the most excellent thing. So, the only reason all of this has been obscured from you, the path, is because of... <coughs> No truth on your part, no sincerity on your part. فَلَوْ حَسَّنْتَ ظَنَّكَ بِاللَّهِ وَبِأَوْلِيَاءَ اللَّهِ لَرَفَعَ اللَّهُ الْحِجَابَ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُمْ If you become completely seeing and your sincerity, your opinion becomes totally clear with the awliya of Allah that this is where I can benefit from and this is the good that they're giving then Allah will remove the the veils from you Allah will remove the veils that are in between you and you will find that they are closer they will make you closer than what you're going towards how far you think your journey is they will make it closer this is the barakah, barakatul awliya is speaking about so subhana man satarahum fi hali dhuhurihim purified is he glorified is he who has veil them despite their being so evident and وَأَظْهَرَهُمْ فِي حَالِ خَفَائِهِمْ and has made them manifest despite them being hidden meaning it's a very difficult that's, a, that's the confusing aspect of it <coughs> so in conclusion what he's saying is there is not much to fear of the paths of worship becoming obscure and confusing for one because the Qur'an, the Hadith and the books of sacred law have explicitly explained these acts. The scholars have simplified these with their expositions. There's so much available, so much available. However, there exists the danger of passion, lowly desires that leads to, lead to opposing the law. Overwhelming one at the time of executing the commands of Allah. Such desire will prevent one from obeying the teaching of Allah and His Messenger This is the biggest excuse we hear in the Rabita. The biggest excuse is, oh this came up, that came up and because of that I started to miss my dhikr. 
and now I don't know what to do. This is a constant theme. It's, it's, it's not even surprising. It's, it's the constant theme. Such desire will prevent one from obeying the teaching of Allah and His Messenger <coughs> Thus plunging one into sin, becoming proud of the attainment of some bounty, hence forgetting the true benefactor. So all of these things can, can do this. Or at the time of calamity, the ego overwhelming one and inducing an act that conflicts with the law. So to, in an act of desperation, not to call upon Allah, but to do something else. It is therefore of the utmost importance to remain submissive to Allah Most High in every circumstance and condition and to suppress the rebellion of the ego. And then people, they stop contacting the Shaykh because they want a good period. They want a, a week or two of goodness before they contact the Shaykh. So they don't want to contact the Shaykh when they're in this slow period. But that's the biggest mistake they're making. The fact that you contact the Shaykh just gives you some form of guilt. Or he might say a few words and just might help you. But we wait. So we think we'll do it better next week and then we'll contact him. And then after that, it doesn't happen the next week because we're still in the same flow. Then the next week and then the next week. And then sometimes you might get a message from the Shaykh or you might just suddenly have a really bad point and then you think, let me contact him. I feel really bad now. So that's why I regularly just contact. Oh, I didn't do it one hour today. I did it five hours. That's it. It, the, the, the benefit of that is this People will miss the majlis because of that And as we said right in the beginning When you take the tariq we, the, One thing that our sheikh said as well Is that look we're just giving you a prescription And you can take that prescription And go around the whole world telling everybody I've got a prescription from the best doctor In town I've been to the best hospital It's not going to do anything for you He's helped you out by giving you the prescription Now use it so usage of the prescription, nobody's going to come to administrate the dawa. That has to be administrated by ourselves. And if we lose that dawa and we don't take it, then the harm will come back. The disease rears its head. If we don't take antibiotics for the number of days. So what happens with antibiotics is very, is very clear. It happens all the time. The doctors will tell you, make sure you finish the course. What we do is we've got the wound or we've got the pain and so on. So we start taking the antibiotics. In two days, it gets a grip over it with, through the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we start feeling a bit better. So we think, oh, I don't want to take this. It's got side effects and everything. So we leave it. You've already, you've already taken it. You've already started it. Now finish the course because then the germs come back and they, the bacteria, they, they overwhelm the antibiotic and then it just comes back again. So you have to finish it so you can kill these germs. Now, antibiotics are five days, seven days, maybe ten days. Right? They do their job. Unfortunately, the path we're on, fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to say it, it takes many years sometimes. It depends on our diligence, but there is a path, there is a point where you get to, after which the nafs becomes al-mutma'inna, where after that you don't have to worry as much. It does get easier, but there's a big struggle until then. And I think the way we have to do that is we have to compare, compare that to the number of years we've allowed our ego to dominate. It's going to take a long time to clear all that muck up. You know, if there's been so much corruption in a society, it's not, it's not going to be cleared in two days or five days or ten days. It's going to take years sometimes, months. It just depends on how effective your strategy is. But if we've had corruption for many, many years, we still continue allowing some of that corruption in. And we're doing vicar. This is the, probably the state of most of us. right? We allow some of that. We're not fully abstinent of it. Then it's continuing to fester. 
and we're trying, so there's a constant battle. If we ever, uh, if we're not regular on our dhikr, it means that we haven't dominated in the battle yet. Throughout, meaning we dominate sometimes. The good dominates sometimes, but not always. The good should always dominate, even if the evil is allowed to come up a bit, right? But the, if the good always dominates and we're so regular on everything, then then that's a livable situation for, uh, for for a certain degree. There's still hope in that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabaraqi adal jalali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyu min rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan wa ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-thalimeen. اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم سبحان الله العلي الأعلى الوهاب أو الله accept our duas أو الله accept our small sitting أو الله accept our gathering here for your remembrance أو الله accept each one of us أو الله despite our shortcomings أو الله we ask that you accept all of us in the fullest of manners أو الله that you treat all of us with mercy أو الله that you Treat us with your compassion, O oh Allah, that you treat us with your clemency, with your forbearance, O oh Allah, O oh Allah. We allow ourselves to sin, we allow our nafs to overcome us, O oh Allah, we make excuses and we sacrifice our dhikr, O oh Allah, we abandon our dhikr, we abandon our remembrance, we abandon our focus for you. O oh Allah, sometimes our acts, are such, our acts are such that we, it is as though we consider your remembrance to be the most insignificant thing in our life so that it is the first thing to go oh Allah we ask that you forgive us this success we forgive us you forgive us this misunderstanding you figure for, forgive us this crime oh Allah oh Allah if we look at your greatness and your majesty then this is a massive crime oh Allah we ask that you treat us with your mercy and forgive us oh Allah that you allow our heart and your remembrance to dominate in our life. Oh Allah, for that always to have the upper hand, for us to always be focusing on you. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove these excuses from our life. Oh Allah, this misrepresentation in our life, this two-facedness in our life. Oh Allah, that you make us true Hanif and Muslima. Oh Allah, make us true Hanif and Muslima. Make us true monotheist. Our focus is only on you and nobody else. Oh Allah, we allow our nafs to have the upper hand many times so that it dominates us. So that it dominates us. Oh Allah, we ask that you clear our perspective, put us on the right path, make the real objective our objective, purify our hearts and make them the way you want them to be. Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us the crimes of our hearts, the crimes of ourselves. Oh Allah, the sins of ourselves. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you protect us. You protect us and our progeny from all the evils that are out there. O oh Allah, that you keep us strong with your with your remembrance. Let your remembrance emanate from every part of our body. O oh Allah, allow us to fulfill the sunnah of your messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Let that not be a compromise in anything. Let us not compromise that for any reason. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you bless our gathering. All of those here who are sick or ill, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, remove that sickness or illness from them. O oh Allah, above all, remove our 
sickness of the heart. Oh Allah, remove our spiritual sicknesses. Oh Allah, we ask that you give us tawfiq to do the best in this world. Grant us barakah in everything that we're doing. Oh Allah, that you fulfill our pious objectives. Oh Allah, that you fulfill our pious objectives. You give us pious righteous children and you give us husnul khatima a good seeding state the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed and oh allah make the best of the days that the day that we stand in front of you oh allah oh allah shower us with your mercy both in this world and in the hereafter grant us the company of your messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam Oh Allah, make us of the Siddiqeen, make us of the Siddiqeen, make us of the Siddiqeen, grant us Jannatul Firdaus and your ultimate pleasure. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon, wa salamun alil mursaleen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.